Praise the Lord. I do hope you can hear me. So if someone can hear me, if you can wave your hand, I will know. All right. Thank you. I've seen quite a lot of times. Thank you very much. Uh, shall we just take a moment to thank God for this time that just commits the word into the Lord as the Lord brings it to us. So let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray that we will receive that which the Lord lays down for us this day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this moment, this very precious moment, Lord, Father, when all of us together join with a unity of spirit, Lord, Father, a desire to sit at your feet, Lord, Father, a desire to hear from you, Lord, Father, because, Lord, Father, every one of us knows, Lord, that it is in your word that the power is there, Lord, Father. Our future is when we turn to you, Lord. Our future is when we depend upon you, Lord, Father. And Father God, right now, as every one of us gathers here, Lord Father, we thank you, Lord, that we have this privilege. Nothing prevents us from coming together in one means or the other, Lord Father. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come together. We pray, Lord, that even as we sit together, Lord Father, even though we are in different locations, you will minister unto us, Lord Father. You know the inner thoughts in our hearts, Lord Father. You know every situation that we are in, Lord Father. And we pray, Lord, that you and you alone will meet us at our points of need, Lord Father. Father, we surrender ourselves into your hands, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will give us a heart that is willing to understand your word, Lord Father. And we pray, Lord, that whatever be the obstacles on the way, whatever be the scales that lie in front of our eyes, Lord Father, you will remove as we listen to your word, Lord Father. We ask that you commit that you minister to every one of us, Lord Father. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, shall we open our Bibles and read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. And I shall be reading from the New King James Version and I do hope that all of you have your Bibles, because I have requested the audiovisual support team not to display the verses today. This is the year of the word, and I would like us all to get into our own Bibles and see that whatever we read is there in the word of God. It might be different versions that we are using that, okay, but let's get to the word of God. Ephesians Chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may op open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. I was recently reading excerpts from a book called Not Forgotten by a Korean-American missionary named Kenneth Bay. Now in that book, Kenneth Bay describes how he was captured by a communist country and sentenced to 15 years of solitary confinement and hard labor. Now what was his crime? He used to travel from his country to this particular country as part of his business work. He was a businessman in addition to being a missionary also. And in the course of his meetings with different people, he used to always plant a few seeds. And that got, uh, well, it was known to the, to the authorities of the communist nation, and they arrested him. And then they sentenced him to 15 years of solitary confinement and hard labor. Now in this book, he describes how he had to work in the farmlands for about 8 to 10 hours every day before returning to the lockdown of his tiny cell. He was not allowed to mingle with other prisoners or talk with anyone except his guards. Now when Kenneth Bay started his prison sentence, every day used to be a painful, body-breaking and mind-defeating torture. But soon after his sentence started, Kenneth Bay changed his personal routine. What he was doing till then was really body-breaking. So he decided to change his routine a little bit. Now he would get up one hour earlier than required, pray and recite from memory Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20. This was what he used to do every day. And then he found out that he was actually able to undertake the tasks of the day more comfortably. In fact, he writes in the book, he even started singing and smiling and laughing while farming. Now this infuriated his captors and they started interrogating him even more. What was the reason for this joy that he seems to possess in the midst of a traumatic prison sentence. How come he seems to be happy? How come the torture of the day did not seem to really affect him? And this gave him an opportunity to share the word of God to his captors. Now obviously, being in a communist nation, the captors did not like this. And the end result is, they released him from prison and deported him out of the country in 735 days. That is, in two years and five days. 
instead of his 15 years. And this is what he writes in that book. And then I recognized the context that Kenneth Bay was talking about. Every morning, when he recited Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 20, he was putting on the armor of God to function as an ambassador for Christ, preparing to share boldly the word of God and knowing that he was working under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, he was also declaring that he was under the protection of God. No one could harm him. That was the message he was bringing across. No one could harm him. The devil could do him no evil. His prison could not defeat him. And so I asked God, what do I share with you today? That's a nice excerpt that I read. It's a fantastic passage of scripture and it's a passage of scripture we read so very often. But what is it that you want me to share with the church today? After all, we are still in a situation of a partial restricted mobility. Okay, we still don't have absolute freedom to move around. Now if you remember, two months back I shared a message titled Lessons from a Lockdown. And two months back, when I asked God what I had to speak to you, his answer was straightforward. He said, read my word and learn from it. And now as I asked God the same question, God waited a bit before he gave me an answer. And I'll tell you that in a minute. Right now, I understand that our levels of frustration are rising. Our fears are increasing as we see the COVID-19 statistics on our TV screens, on our mobile devices, on Facebook, in, and on our WhatsApp chats. I recognize that many of us had to shelve our vacation plans. We have had to take significant pay cuts. We've had to offer to work more for less pay. We have had to teach our children subjects we have no clue about. And we have to live within the confines of four walls of our homes for long periods of time. And this, I am made to understand, is tough for many people. But the fact simply remains that God is in charge. Nothing changes that fact. Neither Satan, nor the COVID-19 virus, nor the knee-jerk reactions and policies of politicians and government changes the truth that God is in absolute and total control. And so, when I again put the question to God, what am I going to share this afternoon to the church. His answer was the same. Read my word and learn from it. And then God gave me five lessons to focus on and that is what we shall be sharing this afternoon. And so I have titled this afternoon's message as Lessons from the Reassuring Word of God. Lessons 
from the reassuring word of God. Lesson 1 This is not unto death. This is not unto death. Please turn with me to John chapter 11 verse 4. John chapter 11 verse 4. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The first reassuring word we have from the Lord this afternoon is that this disease wrecking havoc right round the world is not unto death for you and for me. The words that Jesus used were in the context of the death of Lazarus and his raising from the dead. But as we read the complete story in John 11, we recognize a few important steps that Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, had to undertake before their brother walked out of the tomb. And those are the same steps that we also have to undertake. Number one, they had to call on Jesus. Their brother was sick, and their brother continued to be sick, and the brother was worsening. Their situation in their home was worsening. And then they called on Jesus. He was in a different place, but they called upon him. Number two, they had to wait for Jesus. Jesus did not respond to their call immediately. He did not instantly respond like instant coffee. They had to learn to wait. Number three, they had to put their faith in Jesus. Even after he arrived on the scene, if you read John 11, you will see that there was a point when they knew that what he said would happen in the future. But they had to put their faith in Jesus for the present, that he would do what he said he would do. Mary and Martha were not going to get out of their distressing, their mournful situation, by depending on their friends or their neighbors. They had to call on Jesus. And today, as a church, we have to call on Jesus. This is a distressing, this is an unhappy situation. This is not the situation we all like to be in. But as a church, we need to call on Jesus. As families, we need to call on Jesus. As individuals, we need to call on Jesus. And sometimes Jesus says, wait a bit. There is a purpose that needs to be accomplished. I understand why you are calling me so fast. Why you are in a hurry to have your prayer answered. But wait a bit. Despite the pain, despite the anguish they were going through, 
they had to wait for the Lord to show up. And he did it at the right time. As he always does. Their choice of time was not the right time. Jesus' appointed time was the right time. We too need to learn to wait for the Lord. And then the two sisters had to look at Jesus with the faith that was in them and not the facts that were staring, them, staring at them from outside. The fact was, their pain was real. The fact was, their brother was dead and he was buried in an earthen tomb. But the faith they had to exercise that day was going to show them that the facts were not permanent. Jesus' words had more power than the facts that they were seeing in front of them. There may be lots of things that we are seeing around us as facts. And it may be fact. But the actual fact of the matter is, when Jesus says that this is not unto death, but it is so that he will be glorified, that is a bigger fact. And that is the fact we need to hold on to. Today, you and I must learn to call on Jesus during this time of worldwide sickness and social isolation. The fact is, there is a virus out there. The fact is, there is a disease running rampant. The fact is that this disease has the potential to kill. But a more important fact that we hold on to with all the faith we have is what the Word of God tells us. This is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We need to trust Him completely that He will take us through this time. He said He will do it. And yes, He will do it. Lazarus' sickness and death was fact. But faith overturned that fact. His sickness was meant to glorify the Son of God. This COVID-19 season is a fact. But your faith and mine, our faith, the faith in this church, in the Son of God, will take us through and we shall live once again as God wants us to live. So that's lesson number one. This is not unto death. Lesson number two. Difficult times are temporary times. Difficult times are temporary times. Psalm chapter 30, please turn with me to that. Psalms chapter 30, verse 5b. We go to the second part. Psalms 30, 5b. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This is the word of God. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The Bible is full of examples of men and women who have had to go through tough times. Joseph had to endure the pit and the prison. Daniel 
stared into the mouths of hungry lions. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego walked through flames of fire. Ruth saw her future crumble when her husband died. Jonah endured a watery grave. Esther was not sure whether her people would be slaughtered or not. Job had to lose everything he had for being faithful to God. Peter was in prison for sharing the word of God. John was isolated on an island for being a follower of Jesus. The list goes on and on. These and many more are the stories of men and women in the Bible for us to read and for us to get our strength. Because in every situation, God turned disaster and weeping into victory and joy. The difficult times these men and women faced were temporary. It did not last. They all faced tough and difficult times and they all came out victorious. You see, God is here to give you and me life. And it's not just life that He gives, but He gives us life abundant. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then Jesus says, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now what is abundant life? What's the difference between abundant life and life? Life is just living. You're not dead, you're living. But you are burdened by everything around you. Abundant life is a victorious life. It doesn't mean that the burdens have disappeared. It doesn't mean your situation has changed. But you have the God in you who helps you overcome those situations. And that is life abundant. And Jesus is here to give that to you and to me. And that's why he says, all these things are temporary. These things don't last at all. They are for a period of time. A look at history tells us that every viral or bacterial epidemic or pandemic has died out after a period of time. Now I'll give you some examples. You could obviously search this out, but let me just give you some examples of uh, some of these epidemics or pandemics that have been there for the, over the last 110 years. The Manchurian Plague of 1910 lasted from one to two years. The Spanish Flu of 1918 lasted for two years. It killed 100 million people. The Cytokosis Pandemic of 1929 lasted one year. The Asian Flu of 1957 lasted one full year. The SARS outbreak in 2002 lasted two years. The swine flu, 2009, lasted one year. The Ebola epidemic of 2013 actually lasted three years. Maybe you and I were not in the immediate locality where that caused the problem, but it still caused the problem right across the world. But it could not 
continue beyond a particular period of time. Each of these were killer diseases and they had death tolls which ran into thousands, tens of thousands, even extending to 100 million, but none lasted. These were difficult times, but they were all temporary times. Today, God is telling you and me to be patient and just keep trusting Him and His Word. There is no other way out for us. Our God is permanent. So is His Word. COVID-19 is temporary. Just wait on the Lord at a time such as this. Lesson 3. Every battle has a reason. Every battle has a reason. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 29. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 29. And David says, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? This statement of David is from the passage of scripture that describes David's battle with Goliath. A Philistine man was mocking the children of God, blocking their onward progress. And the men of Israel, the children of the living God, were trembling in fear. They had forgotten how God had brought them out of Egypt. They had forgotten how their forefathers had crossed the Red Sea. And now, they were trembling at the sight of this heathen. Goliath was not bigger than the Red Sea. Goliath might have been bigger in size, in stature, than the men standing there. But they were trembling in fear, looking at this man, at this heathen. And they forgot who they were. And they were looking at the world around them just as the men of this world are looking at the world around them. You see, currently we are looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. And we see that Solomon is describing things as the man of the world. When he forgets God, when he doesn't bring God into the equation, and he looks at things around him, as many people do, people who haven't experienced the one true living God, life is meaningless. And that's what these uh, uh, Israelite uh, soldiers were now looking at the situation in front of them. They were looking at Goliath just as the men of the world would look at Goliath. And then comes David, a young shepherd boy. He's not a soldier. He didn't come there to, to wage war. And then he starts asking a few questions. He's wondering what's happening. He's looking around as any young, uh, young man is. He's inquisitive. And then he tries to find out if he's going to get anything out of the whole thing. 
And then he's told that, you know, if somebody can defeat Goliath, you get to marry the king's daughter. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, and then he asks this question. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason why this guy is standing in front of us? Why are we quaking in fear? David's contention was simply that this was an opportunity for the men of God to demonstrate the power and the authority of their God. Why were the men of God quaking in fear? Why were they trembling in fear? Couldn't they call upon their God and defeat this guy? You see, that was God's, that was David's contention. Can't you see the reason? It's an opportunity for you. There is an obstacle in front of you, but this is an opportunity for you to demonstrate to everyone that you serve a God who is bigger than all of these obstacles. And maybe that's the thing for us today. We don't need to be trembling in fear. We don't need to be hiding in fear. Because we have a God who is above every sickness, above every illness. Just read the four Gospels. We don't want to read the rest of the Bible. Jesus went around healing the sick. Jesus went around healing the sick. This is what we read everywhere. And he even got, brought people back to life. COVID-19 is an illness. Let's not go into the conspiracy theories. All we know is this. We have a God who is above all. Isn't this an opportunity? Just like David said to his brother, to his soldiers there. Isn't this an opportunity for us to show that there is a God in heaven, that there is a God who is above all of us. You see, every time God brought judgment on his people and the people he created, it was because of their riotous living, their idolatrous living, and because they turned away from God, their creator. Just read your Bible to confirm the statement of God. Every time God brought judgment on his people, it was because they disobeyed him, because they turned to idolatrous ways, because their living was unrighteous. Today the world is unrighteous. In fact, permit me to say this, that unrighteousness of the world is entering into the church. And therefore, there is a reason for us to today step back and say, is God wanting us to do something different? Today, is there not a reason, a cause for you and I to stand up and plead with our God as men of God, you and I are expected to call on God to change the situation. When the people of Israel built a golden calf in the desert, 
when they came out of Egypt, God was angry and he wanted to destroy them. This is the story which is there in Exodus chapter 32. Read it when you can. But it was Moses who stood in the gap for his people. He pleaded with God till God relented. Brothers and sisters, there are enough reasons for us today to stand before God and to plead. To ask Him to forgive us and the people around us. This is what we are called to do. But so very often, so very often, we have hidden our God behind the curtain of convenience and compromise. We have chosen to follow the world rather than the word. Just look at the church today. And I'm not pointing fingers at anyone particularly. I'm not pointing fingers at our church, but I'm just talking about the church in general. I know we all listen to worldwide news in one way or the other. Just look at the church today. Why are there segregated churches in many parts of the world? Church for the whites. Churches for the blacks. Churches for the colored. Churches for the poor. Churches for the rich. Where in the Bible do you see such examples? Homosexuality is so readily accepted in the church. For fear of the world, the men in the pulpit have forgotten to preach from Romans 1. Secularism, inclusivity, politically correct statements are the trends in the church today. Pulpit ministers are scared to highlight the high standard that God expects of his children. And these are not imagined standards. They are clearly written in the word of God. If we just choose to open our Bibles and read. But we have compromised. We have brought in the world into the church. Instead of being the other way around. Instead of the word going out with its high standard. If you look at ministers of old, 100, 150, 200 years back, they used to preach powerful messages that the devils would quit. Does it happen any longer? Lukewarm messages within the church. Just switch on your TV, then all you hear is prosperity preaching. Where are all those life-changing messages on repentance, on right living, on godliness, on humility, on living with contentment? Some months back, a couple of members of our church brought up the issue of the length of messages from the pulpit. Maybe even today's message. They wanted to curtail the message time. They said we are having too long message times. We need longer praise and worship sessions. We need longer intercession times. But we need short message time. 
And the often quoted argument is, studies have shown that the maximum concentration period is 20 minutes. Now there are a lot of you who are here who are teachers, school teachers, college teachers. Now tell me, how many of you actually have classes which are 20 minutes? I think there is no class which is less than 45 minutes. Whether it's a science class, a history class, a geography class, or an English class. Or a medicine class, or an engineering class. So why is it that suddenly in the church it has to become short? The 20 minutes is our attention span. In fact, the other day I was, uh, I was, uh, I registered on an uh, education portal uh, to find out what's happening in the digital world of education today. And the guy was saying, he's actually from Khan Academy, the guy was saying that uh, any message you bring should be only 10 minutes. Let the students go after 10 minutes. I disconnected and I said, I have better things to do than to listen to this man who speaks for only 10, only 10 minutes. Before he came to the 10 minute point, he had been speaking for 40 minutes. And then he tells us that, you know, 10 minutes was the time. He's not preaching what, he's not practicing what he was preaching. You see, so when this question came up that we need to have short message time and long uh, other, other times. My question was really this, and I still battle with that question. Have we not realized that praise and worship is you singing to God? Intercession is you talking to God. But the message from the Word of God is God speaking to you. When you listen to a word which is coming from the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, when you spend hours in the Word of God, when, when a man of God elaborates from the Word of God to you and brings an understanding, that is God speaking to you and to me. Now you tell me which is more important, you singing and speaking to God or God speaking to you and to me? How can God direct your steps and my steps? If we choose not to listen to Him, how can God set you and me on a right path if we choose not to want to listen to His words of correction? We make mistakes. We make mistakes. We need correction. Who better than our Heavenly Father to correct us? Why do we reject that? So today, brothers and sisters, is there not a reason, a cause, for God to shake up the church? For God to shake up His children? For God to shake up you and me? Maybe this COVID-19 plague is a shake-up of the slumbering church. I liked it when we were told in the beginning of the service, now we need to have our screens on, our cameras on, so that we don't appear to be a slumbering church. Now I believe there are about 20 screens on, 
out of a total of 126. So that's about one-sixth, maybe about 15 to 18 percent of the church doesn't appear to be slumbering. The rest, I don't know. Okay, you know. Okay, lesson number four. This is the fourth lesson. Lesson number four. Prepare for double blessing. Prepare for double blessing. Turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 42, verse 10, and then we will also read the first part of verse 12. Job 42, verse 10 and 12a. Verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's, Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12a. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Let's read that again. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. I know that there are brothers and sisters in our midst, and maybe you know of friends and relatives, right across the world who have lost their jobs or taken significant takers. But my word for you is this. Prepare for double blessing. Prepare for double blessing. Job lost everything he had because of his faithfulness. There were times when he was confused. There were times when he did not know what to say or do. And there were times when he put his questions and doubts to God. But through it all, he remained faithful. And as the scriptures tell us, God blessed Job double fold. He had a double blessing. Joseph was the eleventh son of his father. He was a self-centered young man when he was tossed into the pit. But God elevated him and blessed him to be the second most powerful man in one of the most powerful nations of the world at that time. Daniel was living the life of a young nobleman before he and his people were taken as slaves by Nebuchadnezzar. And yet, at the right time, God elevated him that he became an advisor to two kings and interpreted dreams for three kings. The prodigal son had it all. He had it. And then he lost it all. But the word of God tells us that everything was restored to him when he turned around. Today I don't know what you have done. 
But God knows. God knows every bit that you have sacrificed. God knows every bit that you have lost. And all I can tell you at this point is this. Prepare for a double blessing. It's not going to be very long before you get that double blessing. Prepare for a double blessing. Turn with me to Joel chapter 2, verses 25 to 26. Joel chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Look at that. You and I will never be put to shame. And it will be restored unto us. Multi-blessing. That is what God is telling us today. All we need to do is focus on Him. Don't focus on COVID-19. That is God's life. It will live its life. It will go. God is permanent. Let's just focus on Him. And He will bring it to pass. Finally, lesson 5. Go and tell what the Lord has done. Go and tell what the Lord has done. Luke chapter 8 verse 39. Luke chapter 8 verse 39. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he, that is the man who had just been delivered from demon possession, went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. Now let me keep this short as Pastor Francis prepares to close this Friday service. When God is done with this pandemic and He has restored you to where you should be or higher, don't keep it to yourself as if it is some state secret. You and I are called to testify. But the secret of an acceptable testimony is when you testify of what great things God has done for you. Please remember that not all testimonies are acceptable. Even though you and I may think that we have done a great job. The testimony must return the glory to God. And it must focus on what He has done. You see, the point of the matter is, we don't need to highlight the difficulties we went through because everyone knows it. You know, everyone knew that the demon-possessed man was demon-possessed. So he did not have to go and talk about his demon possession over and over again. Everybody knew it. But what he had to do was to tell people about what God has done. 
Because that was news to many people. So the difficulties we go through, the illnesses we go through, the financial disasters we go through, the job losses we go through, the visa issues we go through, the relationship issues we go through, the difficulties within our families, it's not a secret. People know it. People know all about it. In fact, they know more than you. Then you yourself know about your family, others know. So there's no need to highlight that. But what we need to do is return the glory to God. If we must focus on what God has done for us, not on the troubles that we have been through. The objective of your public testimony is to turn the hearts and the minds of people, those who are listening to you, to God. We need to turn them to God and not have them to sympathize with you. You are out of the trouble. What do you need sympathy for? God has brought you out of difficulty. So why do we want sympathy? We want people to join us in glorifying God. We want others to join us and say, praise God. This God is awesome. I want to know this God. Tell me more about this God. See, that is the objective of the testimony. You're bringing glory to God and you're also making known to people that there is a way and He is the only way. He can get anybody out of any difficulty if they just turn to Him. So God is saying, go and tell. Therefore, when tomorrow comes, when God has restored you to where you should be or higher, please go and tell what the Lord has done. Brothers and sisters, as I conclude, let me once again restate the five reassuring words of God that He impressed upon my heart to bring to you this afternoon. Number one, this is not unto death. Number two, difficult times are temporary times. Number three, every battle has a reason. Number four, prepare for double blessing. Number five, go and tell what the Lord has done. Finally, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to read and reread Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20. And as you put on the armor of God, trust God for daily protection against the wiles of the devil. Remember, as mature people, as responsible people, we must follow the common sense precautions that the healthcare authorities tell us. But our ultimate protection in the face of any adversity is only from God. Choose today to put on the armor of God. No one can harm us. The devil can do us no evil. This lockdown will not defeat us. Let us choose to read and reread the word of God from the word of God and not from recirculated matter on social media. God and His Word and our obedience to Him and His Word is our only way forward. Brothers and sisters, look forward to your double blessing. But let it always be anchored 
to the reassuring word of God. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Pastor Francis, you are on. Thank you, God. God is good. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. Uh, this year is a year of work. And when you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it's full of many assurance from God. That God is always there for us. He always said from the beginning that He is with us. And to the end also is with us. That is why He has assured us. And we have learned about this again today that God is with us. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 5, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. And when you look at Psalm 23, verse 4, God keeps telling us that. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. These are the assurances of God. It comes on and on and on and on. We have just been informed about five today. If you read your Bible, you will discover that the assurance of God over us is uncountable. All you need to do is to call on him. You need to call upon him. Because in John, in 1 John 5, 1 John 5, verse 4, he said, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And in verse 3, he said, Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You have you have you have believed that Jesus is the Son of God. That is why at this period, at this time, you need to call upon him. We don't know what you are going through, but you have been reassured today that God is faithful, that God is with you. Every time whatever you are going through now is temporary. Whatever challenges that is there is temporary. A ghost will never shine until it passes through fire. Every battle has a reason. That is what we have been assured. Every battle has a reason. Brethren, it is an assurance that God is with us always. And He is going to fulfill all His promises over us in the mighty name of Jesus. You have been told, at the end of the channel, there will be light. So prepare yourself for double blessings. Whatever situation you are going through now, prepare yourself for double blessings because at the end of the channel, there will be light. And what we follow is the last point that Pastor Adolf informed us. Go and tell what the Lord has done. This is assurance that the situation you are now, you are going to testify to the glory of God. Whatever you are going through, prepare for double blessing and testimony shall follow in the mighty name of Jesus. As we pray, let's close our eyes. I want us to pray in our home that, Lord, these are your words. You have reassured that this is not up to death. You might know somebody or someone who is going through uh, who this COVID-19 has affected. 
This is the one you need to pronounce to their word that this is not unto them. Begin to pray. Even if you don't know anybody, you are listening to the news as Pastor has said. You see on the screen, on the WhatsApp, on social media, you are seeing all sorts of things. This thing, the assurance that it is not unto them. So begin to pray. Lord, this is not unto them. As many that are sick, this is not unto them. Because you are going to heal them. Because you are going to set them free. Because you are going to prove that you are God. You are assuring us, Lord, fulfill your promise. Fulfill your promise. Whatever the reason that this is happening to the entire world, Lord, Father, let that reason be fulfilled. If it is our sin, have mercy, Lord, and forgive us. If it is sin, have mercy, Lord. If you are taking us to the higher level that we are passing through these challenges, Father, that reason must be fulfilled. That is why we are not preparing. Because every difficulty time has it has terminated. It has to be terminated. Whatever you are going through now, or someone you know is going through something, enough is enough. Let it be terminated in the mighty name of Jesus. Because every past two has reason. And whatever the reason, Father, let it be fulfilled in our life in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we have heard also that we have to prepare for the double blessing. That Lord has prepared for the double blessing. Give me the, the strength. Give me the faith to hold on that this double blessing will come my way. Irrespective of where you are, what you are doing, your position, or the challenges you are passing through, or somebody you know, that double blessing must come. That testimony must follow in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I want to proclaim your testimony. I want to proclaim your word that you have done excellent things. You have made everything beautiful in my life. Thank you, Jesus, because you are our God. We bless your holy name. We glorify you, Lord. Father, as many that have prayed this afternoon, Lord, as you have promised that this is not all today, as many that have prayed for the sick ones, as many that have sick that have prayed, as many that have refused to pray, but in their heart they know somebody that is sick. Father, we hold on to your work. Whatever situation that people are going through in the hospital now, it shall not be unto death in the mighty name of Jesus. That every difficulty time, Father, let them be terminated. Let them be terminated in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, terminate them. Every challenge that your children are going through right now, Father, terminate them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, there are reasons why people are losing their job. There are reasons why people are getting house talent. There are those written laws, Father, let it edify your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, as we prepare for the blessing that you are going to shower on us, when this blessing of Father will shall never derail in the mighty name of Jesus. And when this blessing comes our way, we shall never derail in the mighty name of Jesus. And we shall testify to the glory of God. We shall honor the name of God. We shall not glorify our own that, oh, this is the decision I'm taking. This is the we shall give that reason back unto you in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. As many that are listening to this message all over the world, wherever they are, Father, we pray that that double blessing that we follow today's message shall follow them in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for everyone that are listening wherever they may be now, that God Almighty, you will lift them up and they shall testify your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless this land, 
we bless this country, we bless the people of this country, we bless the, the leadership of this country, that you continue to grant them wisdom in the mighty name of Jesus. Every decision they are going to take can glorify your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Father, the servant that you have used, Father, we pray that you will reload him more in the mighty name of Jesus. You will lift him up in the mighty name of Jesus, more anointing in Jesus' name. The source of this wisdom, the source of this blessing, shall never dry up in his life in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, bless his family, bless his children, bless his wife, bless the hand, the work of his hand. Father, the positions are put in this church. Father, bless him in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. Father, may I worship you today. We pray what else we need within the week of weekly program. Testimony shall follow in the mighty name of Jesus. Once again, I pray for those that are facing challenges now, that are facing job loss, or wherever, whatever be their situation, that God will be glorified. You will lead them on. Your promise is that that double blessing will follow, which I follow in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. Blessed be your good name. I bless the entire leadership of the bread of life. Father, your wisdom is what. We shall continue to give and guide them in Jesus' name. For the rest of the program for this week, Father, we pray that we shall see your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. The men excellent men program, the women ministry program, intercessory, and all programs of your presence shall be found in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we close the message now, Father, we pray that that testimony, that double portion, shall be asked in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Let us share the grace together in fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Lord, 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 the the Oh, 